Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Watermelon Seeds podcast. <laughs> I'm Ellie, and we're missing Joseph today because it's a girls' episode. So, who do we have with us today? <laughs> Shelly Frondorf. <laughs> And Lissy Meyer. Oh, I'm so glad you guys are here. Um, how do I know you guys? Like, tell us a little bit about how we're all connected. Renew Church. Mm-hmm. Worship team. Yep. Yeah. And I think we met in, was it kids ministry first? Oh, probably, yeah. Maybe? Yeah, I think so. We're just drawn kids. to you like a magnet and Aww, became fast friends. That's so sweet. Yes, I love that. I think, yes, Renew Church is basically where we met. I was telling a friend recently, I think one of the things I would have changed in college is like becoming friends with older adults earlier on because it's mm. like so much fun. Like I feel like I've learned so much from you guys, just seeing how you live your lives and seeing the people that matter to you and how you treat them and... Yeah, so I'm so glad we're here today, and everyone will get to hear your wisdom and a little bit about you. So, yeah, we're starting off with a big question, okay? We ask all of our guests this. So, what is a defining moment in your life and why? I know there's probably a lot, so you can just pick one or a couple. Who? <laughs> You've got one. <laughs> this was a, um, this is a hard question to answer because you're right Ellie there are so many defining moments Mm -hmm. and it's interesting when you think back when you think back on your life it's like they they stand out like punctuation marks throughout the entire the entirety of your life and at at 36 I can think of so many um but I think that one of maybe the more recent defining moments was when um my husband and I decided to move to Eau Claire. Um, Mm -hmm. It was in 2018 that my husband um, had the opportunity to to interview for a job over here. We lived in the Twin Cities in a suburb um, by all of our family, all of our friends, um, everybody that we knew, our church, everything was there. And um, he had the opportunity to interview, and I did not want him to interview I did not want to move anywhere I wanted to stay right where we were Um, and there was one morning that I just finally after a lot of um, turmoil I finally just decided um, you know I I felt like God had just said if if you say that you follow me then you actually need to follow me and trust Mm me Mm -hmm. Um, and that even means geographically Um, and the same day Josh had um, had said the same thing he had been praying and had just decided you know I have got to um, trust God in this that if it Mm -hmm. means that we go we go and if it means we stay we stay and I'm just willing to do whatever and that moment of surrender for both of us in that decision um, it God really revealed to me that I had an idol of comfort. I had been holding so tightly to what I knew and what was comfortable rather than trusting him and taking a step of faith. And that was um, something I had heard people talk about. But when I actually experienced that, um, it was it was a beautiful, like a beautiful beginning of a new adventure. And now looking back four or five years later, my life would never be the same without everything I've experienced here. And it it encourages me to step out in faith, um, to trust him, because he does know best. And mm-hmm. in hindsight, I can see it. So yeah. I'm grateful for that. That's so defining. That's a big, a big change. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad you moved here. Yeah, same. Me too. <laughs> I cannot imagine life without you guys. Aww. Yeah, let's see. You've been one of my best friends. Um, yeah, for me... Um, 
there are, again, many defining moments. But I would say one that maybe even a lot of people don't know is that um, when I became a Christian, I it was like the first time I was actually able to sing. I couldn't sing. I didn't have a voice. I couldn't really? keep a tune. Yeah, I could not sing until I became a Christian. What? But, um, yeah, I got my first Christian album, and I was – I was just going over it and over it at my dad's one summer, you know, where you like the old CDs where you could like read all the lyrics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just like over and over. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, my voice is different. Whoa. And I called up my best friend who was very musical. And she's the reason why I knew I couldn't sing. It wasn't even like I'm at like a self-pity comparison yeah. thing. It was just that she just was mm-hmm. amazing. And I was like, and she knew my voice. So I was like, Adrian, listen to my voice. And I sang for her and she was like, oh what? <laughs> that's, that's not what it used to be. Um, wow. So, so cool. But, but that's not, I mean, while that was a defining moment, what, what's been more defining is actually my journey and what I've actually believed about my voice throughout mm-hmm. the years. Um, and there is actually a time where slowly, because of some agreements I made with lies that I just like wasn't good enough. It was nothing that anybody spoke over me, but this voice that God had given me, I had just come to believe. And obviously it's an instrument. I can grow it. Mm-hmm. I can do voice lessons. I can become better over time. It's something to steward. But I just believed that I wasn't good enough. And that was a slow paralysis to like before I started working at Renew. Um, I actually almost completely stopped singing even in front of my kids. So the defining moment for me was this this time of prayer with uh, a mentor, Susan, um, of just breaking agreement with the lie that Mm -hmm. I wasn't good enough. I had to go to the root of that, which brought me all the way back to to Bible school. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, just a whisper in my mind and I had to just say you know what I break agreement that I am not good enough and and all those other moments that seem to confirm that lie I break agreement that those moments were speaking the same thing over mm-hmm. my life and honestly that was such a defining moment that it was um it was like the insides of me because when we believe something it takes root it's like a seed and it like creates this root system and it filters into any, every other area mm-hmm. of our lives and That's I came so to true. believe that about so many other mm-hmm. parts of my life and who I was and so it was like that prayer of like true repentance for believing something that God had never spoken Mm -hmm. that like disagreed with the word of God scooped it up out of my insides like it felt like my insides were like rotting Mm -hmm. honestly and God like scooped that up out of me and then like just it made so much more room for him it's like Mm -hmm. when you break agreement with something that that stuff is taking up capacity in your heart Mm -hmm. and so that was taking up capacity and I God just like scooped it out and I was like okay God like what are you giving me in return what what is meant to take up the space and he just gave me like the seed of his spirit more of him Mm -hmm. and honestly like there was such a release of anxiety and such a release of of the pressure of what I could produce and just an opportunity to step into his grace and to rewire my thoughts and my brain, mm-hmm. which was also a process. But, and yeah. then God just like stepped me into this season of, mm-hmm. of leading worship and doing what I was That is do. so significant. Yeah. I think it's interesting because kind of both of you mentioned like lies and like the defining moment being like saying no to that lie. Like for you, it was a lie that your voice wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And when you were able to like root that out, you were able to experience this whole life of like God blessing you through your voice. Mm-hmm. And then for you, it's like the lie of I'm only comfortable and safe where I'm living right now. Yeah. That is scary and new and it's not worth it. And then God has totally like 
rewarded you for being faithful and trusting him and all the things you've seen here. Yeah. So I think that's so cool. That's such a powerful message. Yeah. Mm. Makes me want to think about, like, what lies have I believed in my life? And what lies am I believing right now? Yeah. Like, how do I need to flip those upside down? But that's yes. so good. What does um, walking with Jesus mean to you both right now in this season of life? <laughs> everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> means everything. Do you want to share? Um, and walking with Jesus isn't, it's not even like a seasonal thing. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, purely foundational to, to my being in, in my existence. Um, it's the air I breathe. Um, it is one of those things where if I am not spending time with the Lord, like my my days, my life is is turned upside down. Um, so it is it is a lifeline. Like it's one hundred percent like my source. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure if that's like the aim of your question, but like what it means to me is like uh, it, it it's everything. It's yeah. everything. My source. So like mm-hmm. if I'm not like spending time with the Lord, not that it's like this legalistic. I have to. It's like my soul. Not that my soul ever goes dry. Like every every day looks so different with Jesus, right? Um, and sometimes there's there's more time that I spend, and sometimes there's less time, and my that time can look a hundred different ways. Mm-hmm. But that like it is the river that never runs dry uh, mm-hmm. that keeps me full and content and satisfied. Yeah, that's so good. The source, I like that. How about you, Lissy? Yeah, Shelley. You're so right. It is not it is not just a part of life. It um when you commit to following Jesus and getting to know him, you learn his humble and gentle and kind ways. It dismantles lies, it dismantles any uh, preconceived ideas of what faith or Christianity or walking with him is. It It is the gentlest, most beautiful journey. Um, and and it, it starts to um, change everything in your life, how you do everything, how you think about everything. Um, and it isn't like a, it isn't a striving anymore. It's not a um, trying to get it right. It becomes just a beautiful, gentle um, relationship mm-hmm. that that is the source or is the, um, the starting place for everything you do and think and say. Um, and so for me, walking with Jesus is... Um, it, it is a response to his kindness. It's a response to his goodness. Mm-hmm. It isn't a, a striving or a trying to get everything right and do it all um, a certain way or check all the boxes. It's, it's a yielding mm-hmm. to his goodness. Um, and it shapes everything that we do and say. Um, for me, um, I think immediately of the book in the Bible, Deuteronomy 6, um, and, and 
really walking with Jesus every day um, looks like this. Um, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. Um, now this is, you know, a lot of language that is that is older and maybe, um, you know, fits in a different a different culture, a different time mm-hmm. in life, but this truly symbolizes what it looks like for me. It means that God is a part of everything mm-hmm. and, um, and his kindness and his goodness and his gentleness is a part of everything. And oftentimes it looks like me just coming back to him uh, every moment of every day and just sitting with him and listening for his voice mm-hmm. um, and trusting that his plan is good. And it's better than better than anything I can come yeah, up with. Yeah, totally. That's so good. Yeah, I had the picture in my head just now of like, I'm sure you guys have gone on walks with your kids before where they just do not want to be there. And they're like six steps behind you the whole time. And you're like, okay, like, come on, we're going on a family walk. Yes. Um, and I feel like that can be like, I think sometimes the world's view of like what it is to be a Christian or like what it is to be in a relationship with God is like, oh, it's like out of obligation and it's just like all these duties but I think of like instead like being like a little girl like holding on to like your dad's hand and like excited to go on a walk and just Mm. like gripping onto his hand and like walking along the trail together like in like you said a response to his kindness like I think that is like such a beautiful picture of what it is to walk with him yeah and it is such a lifelong thing so Mm, totally that's really sweet um okay I want to know a little bit about your roots so both of you are not necessarily from Eau Claire but you're here. So where are you from physically, like location? <laughs> and then who would you say you're from? Like who's like the little kid version of you <laughs> that's shaped you into who you are now? That's such a great question. <laughs> that's a good one. You take this one. Okay. Um, I was born in Minot, North Dakota. Way Ooh, back when. Wow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, my dad and mom um, – had lived in several different cities um, planting churches. And so they had planted a church in Minot, North Dakota, um, right by the Air Force Base. And so my first seven years were um, spent in North Dakota. And then we moved to the Twin Cities and moved um, around a couple couple of the western suburbs. So uh, I grew up in Minnesota but was born in North Dakota and um, had, uh, yeah, a dad who was a pastor, a mom who was a nurse, and then two older brothers so um, that's where I came from, and uh, geographically speaking. And then, um, man, as a little girl, I, I think I, um, I was really curious and eager and excited about life. I loved um, babies and animals and sports, <laughs> and I loved my family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I, I really had a desire to please everyone um, mm-hmm. and to, you know, do well and to um, impress. I think that I can see that now looking at, at um, how I've had to really work on that in my life just to mm-hmm. know that I am fully loved, fully known um, just as I am. And, uh, and yet, like, I had a really wonderful childhood. Um, I'm so grateful 
to my family for for everything that they provided for me. My my older brother specifically, um, I have two older brothers, but the one closest to my age um, was my best best buddy and still mm-hmm. is today. So I'm just really grateful for that friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, that we shared it made childhood very fun not to say we didn't fight like cats and dogs but um but yeah I'm I'm grateful for for my childhood and um and yet still now see lots of ways in which I can um I can grow from Mm -hmm. the things that I picked up along the way definitely Mm -hmm. uh I love hearing your story that's you. I was actually born in North Dakota too. You were? What? Yeah, Where? I know. Grand Forks. <gasps> Lived there oh till I was three. Goodness. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, we're <laughs> talking about it. North Dakota babies. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I was born up in Woodruff. Doesn't that sound like Wisconsin? It does. Yeah. Um, Very woodsy. The rough of the woods. <laughs> <laughs> and then shortly thereafter, my family moved to Phillips, Wisconsin. So uh, that is a very small town up in the middle of nowhere. There are lots of beautiful lakes there, though. It was a really mm-hmm. fun place to grow up. Lots of recreation. Um, little Shelly. Man, I feel like this is a little bit of a vulnerable deep dive for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I grew up in a home that uh, I was predominantly like grown up like Catholic, um, faith-wise, and uh, but my parents divorced when I was seven. Um, they both cheated on each other, and li- little Shelley, uh, I have one brother. Little Shelley, uh, I think, felt pretty alone, mm-hmm. um, but not surprised by hard things that came mm-hmm. in life. Um, Little little Shelly was um, like sexually abused. Little Shelly, mm-hmm. um, I have this memory. I, I have it is so funny. I think we all can gravitate more towards uh, sad memories than than happy memories. Um, mm-hmm. Happy like happy growing up memories were like we, we would go to the lake for a week every summer mm-hmm. um, up near Woodruff where mm-hmm. I was born in Minocqua, and that was that was super super fun. Um, but. But home life, my parents did the best that they could, and I know that they they loved me very much. My mom was just definitely always there, always providing everything that we needed. Um, but man, I just remember kind of kind of living a lot of in a lot of other places, like always at a friend's house. Sometimes it just felt easier, like even just growing up and just being a kid, like in my like probably like five or six I remember like running over to my neighbor girl's house all the time but there's also this memory of like like my neighbor girl and my brother like ganging up on me and like I was running across there was a hill that separated our house and I was running across the hill to go play with my brother and my friend and they just started throwing rocks at me what (laughs) yeah it was really really traumatic so um yeah, really, really interesting, but, but like, still felt that was my normal. Like, well, I'm not getting rocks on me every day. <gasps> I was stoned. Oh no! <laughs> no. I don't even so know why I'm random that because and that's terrible. not like okay. Let me tell you about my childhood and um, but, yeah. but I did. I mean, but I do feel like I grew up like fairly normal. Like my dad mm-hmm. wound up moving away um when I was eleven um over to lower Michigan. So I only saw him like hunting seasons because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's 
when he would take off work. So that's when we would see him. And uh, and then my mom got remarried when I was 11 um, to my stepdad. I, fun fact, I called him stepdad. Never called him really? dad. Never called him Rick. I wasn't allowed to call adults by their first name. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, uh, it feels wrong yeah. to call you and disrespectful to call you Rick. So stepdad, it is. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that might be somewhat dysfunctional. But um, anyway, yes, around around that time when my mom got remarried, that's when my dad moved. So I was 11, mm-hmm. and my brother, he's a year older than me, he took that really, really hard and got into drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. and uh, that further created like a really challenging dynamic in our home so um, it's actually a- another reason so th- there would be like they would be getting in fights and my brother would be like getting drunk and mm-hmm. and stuff so <clears throat> getting high so I, it was just easier to be somewhere else and that's how I found Jesus mm-hmm. like my friend um, her mom like loved mm-hmm. Jesus so much and invited me and I was like mm-hmm. You know, being raised to be an altar girl at Catholic Church. Amidst all of this, I was still in catechism classes. Oh. <laughs> so like that's so I knew about God. But, like, just didn't. I didn't get Jesus. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so my friend's mom asked my mom if, if I could go with her to, like, a non-Catholic church. And because that's a big deal if you're Catholic. Yeah. To not, yeah. To not continue going. And, uh, and man, it turned that turned my world upside down. I went and... Uh, people had their own Bibles and talked Mm -hmm. about Jesus in a way that like made sense to me. Um, And so it was actually through like all of that dysfunction and hardship and like it being easier to not be at home than it was to be at home. Mm -hmm. And you always like think about like, oh man, what if my mom or my dad hears this? It'll be really interesting because these are things that I haven't necessarily shared with them. Um, But, but like that, that was monumental for me like that I when I it was like probably the first time I went to that church and I was like this Mm -hmm. is it like Mm -hmm. Jesus actually makes sense like he died for my sins like Mm -hmm. he is the one way like this is this is why I believe in he is God and I want what these people have (laughs) and there's a bible that I can read that can Mm -hmm. explain it all to me and so it was a radical conversion and I feel like I like lived at the church like the worship Mm. leader was also the youth pastor and there's like a youth another youth leader like Tracy and Tara were like my spiritual moms and Mm. it man having those mentors at such a formative age was was powerful for me and game changing so uh Shelly Roots Shelly Roots there they are (laughs) thanks for thanks for listening thank you for sharing those things that are vulnerable yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Shelly, I thinking about your story and hearing about um what happened growing up for you, um it just speaks to even more to not only the goodness of God and the redemption that he's capable of in our lives, like actually on the ground in our lives, the redemption, the the saving power of who he is, um but also um you are a fighter. You have fought hard for a very long time, um, almost starting when you were a kid. Yeah, You've been a fighter, and you have mm-hmm. fought to know him and to follow him and to um, do the best you can, given some pretty rough circumstances. And that speaks to who you are today, mm-hmm. because I, I've told you before, you're a warrior. I see a warrior in you, and... Um, it's no wonder why. So 
That's a really beautiful, beautiful story. Thank you for being vulnerable too. Mm-hmm. That's tough. I've got yeah. lots of vulnerable things I chose not to share <laughs> because it's a long story and and it's tough to think back mm-hmm. to those to those times. I agree with you about the spiritual mom. Um, when I was 14, I had a woman. Now you know her, Jamie Book. She is <gasps> She's amazing. Oh my goodness, wouldn't she love Ellie? Oh, she wouldn't would. Ellie love her? Mm-hmm. Yes, a thousand mm-hmm. times, yes. Um, mm-hmm. but same thing when I was 14, going through a really tough time making very naughty 14-year-old decisions. About, you know, with boys and drinking and skipping class and getting bad grades and just feeling the pressure of perfection that only I was imposing on myself. Um, She helped kind of grab my hand and walk me through that. And what a powerful thing it is to have older women Mm -hmm. in our lives um, to go before us and to help us see the truth um, of who we are when we really need it. Yeah. It's an amazing gift. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. So significant. Thank you both. And Shelly, also, I just think the way you, like, see people and, like, see their whole self and see what they come from and care and love for them with empathy, I think, like, hearing about your little self is like, oh, that's why. Like, because you needed people to see you and love you in the midst of that, you know. And we all do. Like, all of us need that. And I think that shows Jesus. There's so many verses where it's like, and Jesus looked at the woman with compassion. That's just mm. it. That's like the whole verse. Is like Jesus like looked at someone with compassion. Like I just want to be a person that does that to other yeah. people. And I think both of you do that really well too. So it's an important lesson. Yeah, really sweet. Thank you yeah. guys. I appreciate mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. so much. Um, well, now you guys both are moms. <laughs> <laughs> so what is one hard thing about being a mom and one easy thing about being a mom? <laughs> You know, again, like I could take this in so many different directions, but I think what I've learned that I did not know going into parenthood, I'll give a little bit of background. I have grown up wanting kids since I was a tiny kid. (laughs) Fun fact, I had a whole army full of babies as a little girl. (laughs) My mom has home videos of me. With baby dolls, and Aww. some of them were totally creepy looking. One of them squeaked. You'd like press oh, her no. belly, and she oh, like weird. squeaked. Her name was Pedosen. I okay. My name, my voice when I was little, um, I couldn't say my s's. They came um. out like a. Oh my! Goodness. And I couldn't say my r's. They I came out like a w. Right so my mom has a home video of me with all my babies, and she came into my room and was like, "Okay, Lissy." She called me Lissy Beth. Um, <laughs> okay, Lissy Beth, tell me about all your babies. And I was like, "This one is Pedo, yeah. and this one is Pedo Shin." <laughs> and I like had a whole bunch of babies, and I would yeah. tell her, "Mom, I want to be a." Big mama with lots of babies. <laughs> She'd be like, okay. So I knew that yeah. I wanted to have babies from when I was like, I could walk. Um, and I started babysitting as like the neighborhood babysitter. I would mm-hmm. be the mom's helper. And then I started babysitting by myself when I was like probably a teenager, 13, 14. And I babysat straight through my teens. I started nannying when I was an older teenager, all through college, nannied. Um, And then even when I had my own kids, I wanted to nanny. I just, God has given me such an inexplicable love for kids that is like, it's like 
an insatiable desire to love and be around and interact with kids it's one of those things that no matter how hard I try (laughs) I can't make it go away I thought maybe having my own kids would like you know a lot of friends are like I had my own kids and that kind of you know kind of dissipated for me I'm like give me all the kids (laughs) I've never (laughs) seen it in anyone like I see it in you wow (laughs) yeah and it's not anything that I've you know put in myself it's just Mm -hmm. something that has been like it's like a desire that I can't ignore um and so I've loved being around kids so much I've loved children since as long as I can remember um what I and 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 so through my nannying years you know really like being a part of someone's family it's been such a gift to be a part of these families and to um, see the family structure and to support parents and to see different parenting styles Mm -hmm. to experience and of course as a as a an individual who hoped to have a family I thought okay, this is how I'm going to do this and this is how I'm going to do that and kind of developed a little bit of an icky pride in there of like, I know how I'm going to do this and I'm never going to do that and I am going to do this. And I really had a lot of ideas of how, what kind of a mom I would be. Mm -hmm. Once I had kids, what I didn't know was coming down the pipeline was in order to be a parent, um, what, what you're, um, the well that you draw from to parent your children um, is your own experiences, your own trauma, your own uh, beliefs about the world. Mm-hmm. Everything that you are, um, it really it informs your parenting. Mm-hmm. And so, if you've got junk inside of you that is the first thing that comes out when you're parenting when you've got a naughty toddler or a screaming baby or a very uh distressed adolescent child (laughs) the first thing that comes out your reaction Mm -hmm. it it triggers all the stuff inside of you so what I've learned is that I have to deal with my stuff in a very serious way. I have to take a look at my own life, my own lies, my own weaknesses, and um, process through those. So Mm -hmm. I've been going to an incredible therapist for – I've been in therapy since I was in my early 20s. And thank you, Jesus, for therapy. Mm -hmm. It has been Mm -hmm. such a beautiful thing. But I've been seeing a trauma therapist. Um, I don't have any big T trauma in my life, but I have a lot of little T trauma. Everybody does, in my opinion. Um, And I've had to really look hard at um, what's inside of me and to deal with it in a a way that finds healing and resolution and that is going to be a lifelong thing but Mm -hmm. the hardest thing about parenting is um it starts with you starts with you yeah um loving your kids leading your kids teaching your kids setting an example for your kids starts with doing the hard work Mm -hmm. in yourself and it's a constant it's a constant journey it's a lot of work and it's so worth it but it's not easy Mm mm-hmm that's so true I love your journey and you're just so right about how our stories inform our present and how we interact and what comes out of us Mm -hmm. our hearts are the wellspring of life uh, that everything flows from uh 
so different from you. Although I, growing up, I did want to be a babysitter. And mm. then I babysat. <laughs> oh, no. How'd that go for you, Shelly? I took babysitter classes because I was like, this is going to be my favorite thing. I bought all the crayons. I even created a spreadsheet for like oh, wow. the list of kids, dates and times I was going to be babysitting. And then I watched one kid. <laughs> oh, no. And it was fine. Nothing yeah. out of the ordinary happened. Okay. It was just so boring. <laughs> I was, I was like, oh shoot, I like, I got it wrong. Um, as far That's as so wanting funny. my own kids, I think my own story, uh, for sure, informed that in high school. I was like, I just remember having the conscious thought of like, I don't know if I want to have kids because mm-hmm. the world is very, very broken, and I don't want them to experience or go through what I've gone through. Um, but. I think growing up and maturing and just realizing like the world has always been broken um, and there's a lot that I can't control, but Jesus is so good. I want children to be born so that they can know Christ, they can know God, they can know the beauty of, of walking with him and the joy of his presence being with you every day. And so then Ben, my husband and I got married pretty young. We got married, I was 21, he was 20, so young people. Uh, Ben came here, actually, to the UW for his undergraduate degree. Mm -hmm. He had just finished his sophomore year when we got married. And then he actually, when we found out we were pregnant with my daughter, Sayla, he had just graduated. And so I actually, and that was not, that was not planned. So. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love a good surprise. She's the best surprise. Yeah. She's the Mm -hmm. best surprise. Um and God knows what we need more than we know what we need. Yep. And um, it's so funny. I knew that I, I knew then that I'd wanted kids. And I think there's nothing that makes you, well, actually, it's different for everybody. It's different for everybody. But I remember, like, I had one of my good friends. She, she just had her first baby. Um, and so I just remember having baby fever. <laughs> but we weren't intentionally trying. So I knew at that mm-hmm. time when I got pregnant with Sayla, like, ah, I would be really happy if I had a baby right now. I would be totally okay with that. Mm-hmm. And so then the Lord just handed that to me. Um, so I guess that that answers the question. But then once I got pregnant, it was so funny. I knew that I wanted to have babies, but I never, because I hadn't really, it was a surprise, and I hadn't really organized my life in a way of like, oh, I'm expecting this. I'm planning mm-hmm. for it. I was like, well, now what am I gonna what am I gonna do? Are we gonna find mm-hmm. someone to like be with her every day and I can work? But guys, I went to Bible school, so <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring in enough money to pay someone else to be with my baby. And once I got pregnant, I just knew I was like, I don't want anybody else yeah. to be with my baby more than I am. Like mm-hmm. I want to raise this one. So yeah. we we made that happen. And mm-hmm. um man, it is isn't that just our greatest calling? That's sweet. Yeah. To love our babies. So. Wow. Less boring than babysitting, I'm guessing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Not boring. <laughs> That's good. That's the opposite. That's really sweet. I think um, the best part mm-hmm. about being a mom. Yeah, tell me. Is getting the gift of knowing these little beings that start out cooing and squeaking and waking you up in the middle of the night and watching them grow into little people 
watching the development um, from a developmental standpoint is a miracle, but then actually getting to know their personalities Mm -hmm. and their quirks and their worries and their fears and what makes them cry and what makes them laugh, Um, their talents and their skills, things Mm -hmm. that they're good at, things that Mm -hmm. they maybe struggle with, Um, just knowing them. I mean, it, it truly is. You have these two Okay, for me, two. I have Maylee, who's eight and a half, and Macklin, who's almost seven. And um, they're my little best friends. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen that little um, – there's a meme out there that goes around saying, like, having a daughter is having is like having a little broke best friend who thinks you're rich. <laughs> it is, That's so it funny. Is like, it is so true. That is very true, first of all. They ask for everything. <laughs> we get to teach them how to uh, – how to be content with what they have. But um, it is, it's like having little best friends. Mm. I find myself wanting to like uh, talk to them in the middle of the day while they're at Mm -hmm. school and tell them things and show them things and like, oh, I can't wait to ask them this. I can't wait to tell them this. And just to get to live life with these little people. Of course, they're not friends. We're their parents. And um, you you interact differently than Mm -hmm. a friend. because we are their authority and their their parent, but mm-hmm. the friendship, the the life we get to live and share with them, is such a fun journey. We love spending time with mm-hmm. them, um, and I know you feel the same way, Shelley, because you just are such a you're such an incredible mom, and you your enjoyment of your kids is super evident in everything mm-hmm. you do. Um, I know you not only love them, but you like them. And it's such a cool experience to get to live life with them. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I echo. Thank you for, for that encouragement and echo that over you and just everything you just said. Definitely that is like the greatest joy is getting getting to know them. Mm-hmm. Um, getting to know them. Uh, they're just so beautiful and complex and it's so it's such a surprise to see like what they're interested in Mm -hmm. and what they're good at and how we can't control that yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and probably the hardest thing for me man is like also I can't I can't control them. Yeah. I cannot control the path they take in life. Mm-hmm. I can't control their responses to life. Mm-hmm. Like life is going to happen. Um, and but I do get to be alongside of them. I get to hold their hand as they walk through. And maybe this is also one of the greatest privileges is I get to walk with them through like the hard things that they're going to face. And yeah. like I get to be what I didn't have because I can't protect them from everything Mm -hmm. and I I think I worry about that like are how are are they gonna be broken like (laughs) um just always making the joke of like I will sign them up for counseling as soon as they're (laughs) they're asking for it already Mm -hmm. or just tell them they need it when I think they do but um Yeah, I think the greatest privilege is being able to walk with them and show them another way and to show them the helper that mm-hmm. they were designed to walk with. That's so um, Yeah, yeah. I'll just leave it at mm-hmm. that. That's really cool. I'm so glad. Both of you are such great moms, seriously. I don't know. I think that's 
Yeah, I don't, I don't think it would be easy. <laughs> mm. Ellie, can I ask you a question? Yes. Do you want kids one day? Yes, I want four. Oh, Whoa! you want four? I don't know. Maybe three. I don't know. I always joke about like three to five. My dad wants ten grandkids. <gasps> and my oh, sisters boy. have agreed that I'll have the most. That way their number has to be less to make it ten. <laughs> but I do. I think it would be so sweet to be a mom. Mm. I think that's, yeah. And I've like loved kids my whole life too. And like... My sister was adopted when I was eight, and so she was, like, eight months old when I was eight years old. So I got to, like, help her grow up, like, I don't know, change her diaper, take care of her, like, all that. I think being a big sister has taught me so much. And so, and, yeah, I babysat for a while. I nannied. I still do those things. So, yeah, I think I want to. Yeah. It sounds and like you know you want to. I, yeah, I know I want to. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see what God has planned. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, thank you both for sharing so much of your life with us. Yeah. It's been so sweet to hear. I feel like people are going to love this. I think right now most of our listeners are women. It, it goes back and forth, but I think right now it's like mostly ladies listening, so they're going to love you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can all be friends, virtual friends. But, yeah, we always end by praying for our guests. So can I pray for both of you? Okay. Yes, thank you. Yes, of course. Dear Lord, we praise you because you are our source. You are our lifeline. Um, you are the, the thing that we can rest on and put our foundation in, and we know that. And I thank you that Shelly and Lissy, despite the circumstances they've been through in the past, however hard, despite the circumstances they're in now, however hard, Lord, that you, they are relying on you, and you are holding their hand through that. And so I pray that as they walk through this day, this week, this year, this season, that they will just hold tight to your hand, and that even when they aren't holding tight, we know that you are. And so I just praise you for that. I pray for both of them as they live their lives as moms, wives, um, friends, daughters, just all the roles that they have. Lord, I pray that you will help them to serve you and love you and honor you in those things, and that each day and each decision will be something that they do in in order to glorify you, and that um, they'll really feel like their life is just an act of worship for you and in each thing they're doing, even just the regular day-to-day tasks of packing lunches or whatever it is, Lord. Um, I just thank you for both of them. Thank you for their influence in Renew Church. I pray that they won't tire of um, of loving people in that church and being on fire for you and investing in that community. And, Lord, I just pray that um, they'll be also filled up by their own friendship with each other and other friendships around them. Lord, I pray that you will just provide people in their lives that fill them and give them joy. And we just thank you for this day and for all that you are. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys Thank you. so Thanks much. This has been so fun. Yeah. So sweet. Bye, everybody. Bye.